The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Do you worry that the people who represent your brand are sharing it the way you intend it to be shared so that consumers hear what you intend for them to hear? To address that question, Chris Wallace. Chris, welcome to the show. Joel, thanks so much for having me. Hey, man, nice to have you. So um, this is an interesting perspective that you bring here because uh, you're talking about a second tier of hearing. So, you know, do the people that you tell what to say, do they say it in a way so that the other people hear it the way you wanted them to hear it? I mean, help us with that a little bit. Is that a big problem? Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's just let's talk in dollars and cents here. You know, organizations, you know, consumer brands especially spend a lot of money on branding, marketing, and advertising, right? They're out there telling the customer how great they are. They're trying to get the customer hooked with what makes their, their brand interesting or valuable to the customer. But if that's not what the customer hears when they walk into a store, when they call into a call center, whatever that touch point is with the company, if what they would have hooked them and what they experience are two different things, that's a real problem for the people spending money on marketing. Yeah. Well, so are, are you talking about messaging or the overall experience? I mean, because there, there's a couple different layers of, of things going on here. I think so. Uh, there are a couple different layers, but you know, we'll argue that those things are tied very closely together, right? The message and the experience, I mean, people really need to understand what the message is saying to the customer. We talk about the promises that brand makes to, you know, brands make to their customers and really being able to internalize what that promise is and turn it into actions that drive the experience that the consumer has um, making sure that those things are linked and, and really the word we use is translated, right? You have to translate what your brand message is into actions. That's where we see a lot of organizations and, and big brands sort of struggle. We'll get a couple different pieces of it. I get that they're tied together, but I really think for this discussion, let's separate some of these pieces so okay. we can address them one at a time. First of all, uh, you know, you use the word translate. In a certain way, do you want them to be translated or do you want them to be 
adapted or do you want them to be just given the way that you like instructions where we tell you what to say, you memorize it and go put it out there with the way that we've said? It's a great question. So the uh, the traditional organization approaches it the way you just described. Okay. We sort of see ourselves as the antidote to um, the traditional, typically it goes one of two ways. Either organizations are taking the marketing that they deliver to their consumers and they're just taking those exact those exact artifacts and they're handing them over to their people and saying, here, run with this, you know, do this or say this, or they're building scripting and things like that. You know, this idea of trying to drive compliance around the message, what we're finding is that most organizations that approach it that way, the, the goal of driving compliance leaves out one major factor. And that is whether or not the people who represent the brand actually believe in the message, getting people to say one thing and comply with a message, having it be consistent, the reality is people want, don't want to be forced into compliance. What we try to do is help the organizations compel their people to act, really convince them that the message is strong and that it's the right message for the customer. That way people are choosing to act and choosing to tell that story, not being forced to comply. We believe that the top-down approach of forcing compliance just doesn't work in today's dynamic brand environment. I'll tell you, I have so many questions. I, I'm going to have to start writing them down. But so first and foremost, though, shouldn't companies make sure that people believe in their product before they bring them on? I mean, I mean, I get that not all sales, some, it's just a job and you do your job and whatever. But, uh, you know, is there some evaluation on the front end that the person is a good fit for the job before they ever give that person the job? I think that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure that there's a, a lot of, you know, consultancies out, out there who will say that they have a, a cultural fit assessment that they can do. You know, I know very well of a, of a you know, a sales assessment company that, that assesses people for different sales roles. Have I ever seen something that sort of assesses culture and brand fit on, in the hiring process? I don't know that I've see, ever seen anything really compelling. I mean, I, it, it just makes me wonder in order to be successful, because I think what you're saying, if the CEO and the board of directors say, this is what we're going to say, and then the advertising message says this, and it's trickling down the organization, but then you have these lower level people, lower paid people that are actually interfacing with the customers, which is such an ironic situation when you stop and think about that. Uh, if they don't believe in the product, they don't believe in the message, uh, that's a big problem. It is a big problem. And so I'll almost ask, answer you know, some of your questions with a question back to you. Um, can you think of somebody in your mind or a brand that does this well, that really has taken their, their message of who they are as a brand to the consumer, and that is reflected in what you get from their employees? Can you think of well, somebody I, who does listen, that well? Well, listen, Apple probably is one of those kinds of companies. But I'll tell you what, what to me, the string, because I, I think a lot about this too, not from the marketing perspective so much, but you know, from a, from a global management perspective, uh, is cause. Companies that have a cause, and that cause can be making the world a better place, making people more happy, what, whatever the cause is, helping them to communicate better, whatever the cause is, which is bigger than the company itself, that's a unifying message that all the employees can buy into. And when they yep. all buy into it, then 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 you have that honesty at the level where the person is interfacing with the consumer and they're honestly saying to them, this is really going to help you to communicate better or be better yeah. or be happier or whatever. So uh, to me, that's the unifying thread. 
Yeah, there's, that, there's no question about it. So I'll give you a couple of, of examples to illustrate kind of how this plays out. So one of the brands that we like to talk about frequently is Subaru, okay? I'm based in Philadelphia. They're right over the bridge in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So they're, they're headquarters in, in North America. And what their brand message, their brand promise at Subaru is love. That's literally their brand promise, love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And that is something that they have institutionalized throughout their entire company. You cannot train somebody. You can't script the message of love. You can't script that. It has to be something that you see and it's woven in and people believe in that. So I would bet that on the way in, when they're interviewing for new hires, uh, they're probably working them over on that topic and they're taking them out to lunch and they're saying, look, you ever seen our commercials? Yeah. You ever done this? Yeah. So what do you think? Well, this is I think, my message, man, this is the company I want to work for. Well, that, so that's a great point. And I think that the, the, the best brands make themselves attractive, not just to customers, but as, but as a place of employment, because, you know, people gravitate toward those brands. And you mentioned Apple as another great example of that, but you know, you take, you, you take another, another auto brand and you, and you take their slogan and you ask yourself, okay, do they, do they pull that slogan down through their organization all the way to the person at the front line in the dealership who talks to the customer or the service counter who services the customer? Does that get pulled all the way through? And I don't think you see it as, as frequently. No, yeah, I'll you tell you something. Most of, those, most of those slogans for most companies, and this is not pointing out any particular company, uh, but they're, they're ivory tower slogans. I mean, There's they're no just question. made up by marketing people somewhere that – they're, they're great slogans, and these marketing people are brilliant people, but they're not installed into the company. And it has to be installed for it to work. So let's now shift gears back to what you said before. Remember I said all those questions? Yeah. Um, certain companies can allow more artistic liberty than other companies. So if you have a cause and you're excited about the product, as long as you're kind of inside the lanes, and I, I guess we're talking about like putting uh, those uh, rubber bumpers in, in the gutters yeah. of a bowling guard alley. We're right? talking about we guardrails all the time. Okay, so guardrails. Yep. Okay, so yep. perfect. So uh, people are going to you know stay inside of a relatively narrow lane, but they're not restricted to. They're not on a track per se. You know, so they can do a little bit of latitude. But what if they're selling something that's um, regulated? Like, uh, like they're selling pharmaceuticals or they're selling yep. uh, insurance, which you have to be licensed to, to sell. Does the messaging change a lot if you're in a regulated industry versus a non-regulated one, like maybe selling cars or something else? That's a great, it's a really great question. Um, what I can say is, so our experience with, with regulated industries really, um, we've worked in the energy space. We've also worked in the, um, in, in the banking space and the retail banking space. And yes, there are regulations, but in any regulated industry, let's, let's call them what they are. A lot of cases, they're going to be commoditized industries, right? It doesn't get more commoditized than energy, literally. And then on the banking side, it's also a commoditized type of product. How smart marketers are finding ways to build aspects around the regulation that uh, make their company worth doing business with even beyond what their products are. The good ones are accepting that regulation is making their product set virtually the same as everybody else. Maybe the rate's a little bit higher one month versus the other or something like that. We just did an interview with an executive from TD Bank. TD Bank is the Subaru of banking. They have figured out how to build value around a regulated and commoditized product set and make them worth doing business over the competition. So let's talk, let's go a little deeper on that one. So how did they do it? Because 
Uh, that is, you know, listen, money, pretty, you know, pretty dry, you know, to a lot of people, uh, kind of scary to a lot of people. That's my, that's my life is the money business. I mean, so I'm not saying, uh, you know, that it's easy, it's hard, but it's also, you know, perceived as scary and, and, and weird to some people. So how did that uh, institution, and I'm familiar with those guys, so how did they do it uh, in, in the way that you're describing um, well, I mean, I think that they, um, first and foremost, they have smart marketers who looked at, who looked at what customer need they wanted to fill and what they wanted to focus on. Okay. So they're, they're America's most convenient bank, right? I, I believe that that's their, their promise. They're going to be America's most convenient bank. So they picked convenience and they built, they knew that that was important to the customer and they built their operation backward from that idea of convenience. And they rallied their entire team around how they're going to build convenience into sort of every aspect of that customer interaction. So they decided where they were going to win. What they wanted to compete on and where they could win happened to be convenience. And they institutionalized that, like you said. So there's a lot of ways that they do that. To be honest with you, most organ we told this to, to, to the folks from TD that we talked to. Most organizations approach it in similar ways but the good ones just execute better than the others. It's, it's not even so much that the philosophy is that much different. It's just in the way that they execute. The work that we do with my firm is we really help on the execution side. We don't build their brand story, but we help them execute it and institutionalize it the way that companies like TD have. Yeah, I mean, I, I call it install. It's like, yeah, it's like I like you're, that. Yep. you're installing it on the company and eventually it takes root and it becomes the company. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, after after a while, I mean, it's uh, at first it's it's kind of uncomfortable, probably. But after a while, people kind of, you know, buy into it and they kind of get familiar with it. And they're like, hey, you know what? This this was working for us. We just did. Um, I, I was on a call earlier with a, a major um, a major pest control brand. We work with consumer products and consumer service companies. And we were on with a client that's in the pest control space. And we did a pilot of installing what what their we, we, we understood what their promise was to the customer. Again, we didn't build it. We just understood it. We understood what the employee perspective was on how they were, how they were serving the customer well, where they felt like they could win. We built a story around that. We marketed that back to their own people. I told the CMO, we are going to take this story and we are going to sell it back to your own people. So they want to buy it. So they believe in it. And we looked at the metrics of, of how they performed. Lo and behold, the pilot groups that had this installation done outperformed the pilot group and the, the entire rest of the, the company's branch network in every single metric. So let me ask, so is your, is your business really about, you know, getting the message of the senior management really to be well understood that by, the, by the sales and marketing people, or do you work with the customers of companies? So um, we work with we work with the 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 senior level senior level folks mostly on the sales and marketing side, and what we are doing is we are taking their their vision for their brand, their vision for for what you know what they can deliver to the customer, their vision for their value proposition, and we are taking that from words, and we are like you said installing that to the point where people internalize the words and can and, and turn them into actions that they deliver every single day. So it's how do words become actions, right? That's really, you know, brands can just talk about things right now. And I think that it, it's really important in this day and age where customer experience is so important. If you are just seen as a brand that's a bunch of words and empty taglines, as you said earlier, then consumers are going to see right through that, right? They have all sorts of options of who they can do business with. 
It's the people that turn that message and that promise into actual deliverables and into actions. Those are the ones that are going to excel. And that's what we see, you know, brand like Subaru is a great example. Brand like TD is a great example. You know, I, I think that um, as a consumer myself, you're a consumer of certain things. I mean, we all consume things. Uh, it's not so much that I see through all this stuff. It just, it's all blah, blah, blah. And I don't hear a word they're saying until I do. And at some point, I'll hear something. I'll go, hey, you know what? I kind of connect with that or I kind of like that or that makes more sense to me. And I'll still be a little cynical about it because I've heard so much other garbage from everybody else. And then, if they, But if they keep going and they're, they're consistent in their application, uh, then all of a sudden I start to kind of create some relationship with them. And, and you know what? Then, then you create loyalty and then it becomes disruptive to change and, and then you're a customer for a long time. That's a great point. And it goes back to the question that you, you opened, opened the, the discussion with today, that idea of consistency, right? How consist, Are you confident that people are telling that story accurately and consistently? Consistency is where brands like TD and Subaru and Lexus and American Express, I know that they're sort of the overused business school case studies, but let's be honest, there's something well, that's to why. the fact. That's, that's why, why, right? <laughs> because they execute, right? And I'll, I'll give you an, an anecdote. So um, uh, last fall, I was in Chicago, and back-to-back days met with CMOs of large national consumer brands. And on the first day, the CMO said, we're going through a rebrand, and our agency's doing a great job. I'm, con- I'm confident we're going to talk the talk, but my concern is my people won't walk the talk, right? We're going to say what we are very well, and we're going to put it out in trade publications and things like that very well. But are we going to back that up with actions? The next day, CMO from another brand said to us, he's like, so you're the people who can help me get the people who work for me, my employees, to act the brand. And those two phrases, walk the talk and act the brand, have sort of become rallying cries for us because if you think about it, all the time, effort, energy, and resource that goes into building a brand, if people aren't acting in a way that's consistent with the brand, and that's not coming through, that's where you sacrifice the loyalty. That's where you sacrifice the long-term customer well, relationship. Are you doing Are you doing a lot of trainings? Like, do you bring like salespeople or marketing people into a room and do trainings with them? How, I mean, how do you get that to get the idea to come to life so that they can act the brand? Yeah. So, so think of it this way. You know, we we always say. So the the short answer is no. Okay, we are a complement to traditional training. Okay, so what we talk about is most organizations say, especially big organizations, the mechanisms through which they get information, they, they get the word out, right? They try to drive this, this consistency of message. It's an information exercise. They're pushing information. It's through emails. And we know this from research. We've done research. The top two ways companies are driving their message out there are product training and email. Those are the emails, number one, product training, number two. And then you have things like your SharePoint library and all the places, your intranet site, all the other places you can go to gather information if you want, if you're an employee. Those are information, uh, those are information vessels, vehicles to get, the, get the, the, the details out. What we find is knowledge is only going to get you to a certain point, right? People can know the answer to what your product does or what the product specs are. It doesn't mean they believe in it. So we sort of pick up where the training leaves off. And we layer in the enthusiasm and, for lack of a better phrase, the hype, right? We're bringing the fun and the energy that the brand has to offer, and we're amplifying that. We always say, we turn that loose within, inside your organization. We turn your brand vision loose inside your organization. Things like sales reps 
for major, you know, Fortune 500 companies that are sick and tired of sitting on product webinars, we've created podcast series. So now they're driving from um, appointment to appointment. They can listen to a podcast. We're talking about taking uh, sales reps that are doing a good job or who have been uh, uh, early adopters of certain new products or initiatives, and we're creating comic book heroes around them. And there's trading cards and posters and we're trying to make the brand and the examples of people bringing the brand to life fun. So we're trying to bring so many more types of engagement to the table. So the campaign that we run internally looks a lot more like the type of campaign you would run externally to a customer, not what you're typically used to with training. So is there, is there something like um, either an exercise or otherwise that a company could do right now without bringing in third-party assistance that would help them to, uh, you know, bring to life, uh, you know, their their brand statements or their their brand promise, uh, you know, to their to their field people. I mean, we the advice that we give, with, and, and without bringing in somebody like like you know a, a team like ours, um, we always say that the number one thing that organizations can do is to be gathering feedback from their people on an ongoing basis. Now, I want to be very clear with what I just said and what I didn't say. Okay, gathering feedback to me is marketing team, the people responsible for bringing products and services to market, want feedback from the people who are in the trenches talking to customers every day. What are you hearing? What are customers saying? What customers say in market research and how they act in real life are sometimes different. Using that, that internal feedback loop as a source of business intelligence for your, for your marketing strategy is critically important. The way that you do that is you gather structured ongoing, regular feedback. I am not talking about employee engagement surveys. I'm not talking about how happy are you with your compensation? How happy are you with the brand of coffee in the break room? I am talking about how well is our brand resonating every day with customers? Gathering that feedback and using that as an input to make strategic marketing decisions is, it, is something now, organizations the, the can questions, do right now. The questions you're asking, are, they sound subjective. I mean, are there, are there some objective ones and some subjective ones? Or when you structure this kind of a survey, uh, because when you say to somebody, how are people liking the message? Uh, they're not liking it too good. They're not buying from me. I mean, it sounds like it could be an excuse for a salesperson to say, well, the reason I'm not selling too much is because they don't like our message. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you kind of filter that out? And, you know, big companies do great jobs doing surveys and they, they over-survey really. But, uh, you know... How do you set that up? Yeah, it, it, it's a great point. So um, I, will, I will say this. Um, you're always going to take the feedback that you get with a grain of salt, right? There's elegance in the way that you ask it. And I think that that's what you're getting to. That's why our recommendation is take the mechanics. There's subjectivity in the way that, that consumers are going to give you feedback, right? You're trying to get it as objective as you possibly can, right? Everybody's going to bring bias into their answers. But the reality is, part of what you want to find out is what are their biases, right? So what we, we encourage organizations to do is take what you know how to do or your partners know how to do with market research and apply some similar principles inside. Because what happens is these big brands, they will do, you know, studies of their, their you know, consumer research, market research that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars with, with internationally reputable firms. And then when they want to find out something from their employees, what do they do? Somebody goes and creates a survey monkey. And some person, some marketing coordinator is creating the internal survey that is designed to, you know, gather feedback from the front lines. It's like, 
there's no rigor to that whatsoever. If you really want to know how to impact the customer conversation, you got to look at the people who are having the customer conversation. So bringing some sort of scientific rigor to that is what I would recommend. Don't just go and create a survey monkey, put eight questions. Most organizations, when they do that, Joel, all they're trying to do is confirm their own biases. They're trying to confirm, you know what, I told you, they're not, um, people are going to tell you that they're not getting paid enough. If you, if you put a whole bunch of subjective questions in there to confirm your subjective bias, guess what? You're, yeah, you're yeah. just going to have I mean, this, that's this, the problem. This you know, that, that's the thing. And all of us walk around and we live in a world where confirmation bias has become a bigger problem than ever before. I mean, yeah. you know, all of our political biases, we read the articles that confirm our thing, right. we ignore the ones that don't. And everything that we're doing all the time is all doing that. So, uh, you know, I just uh, just wonder how they're how they're dealing with it now. So, so let me let's change gears. So, I want to shift the gears here as we kind of start winding down. Um, is this the kind of thing that happens at the middle level of an organization? I mean, I know you're working with uh, with the people who are kind of facing customer facing people, which tend to be middle or so. Um, or are you also helping some of these most senior level people? Uh, you know, with some of their messaging, because I, I think that sometimes if the senior level people had, you know, consistent messaging and they had a way of doing it, that they could also influence the field level people. That's another really great question. I would say um, our clients and prospective clients ask us that question more than any other question. They, the, a lot of times the first thing they'll say is, so you're going to help us execute our message. And we say, yes. And they say, what if it's not the right message? So what, what if we're not aligned as a leadership team? What if the leadership team doesn't know, you know, know what we want to be saying? Um, so the answer is we certainly do help with that. The, where we draw the line, where, where we do not help them, is we are not going to build their brand. There are people far more uh, suited, far more creative, far more visionary when it comes to creating and, and positioning a brand to succeed with consumers that's the market that a lot of the you know brand consultancies and, and, and marketing advertising agencies, that's what their expertise is, reaching that consumer, compelling that consumer. Our expertise is taking a message and getting it to the people inside the organization, looking at them in a slightly different way and driving the be- – marketers want to drive behavior change with customers. We want to drive behavior change with employees and brand representatives. So we draw the – we will go all the way up to helping get the, the leadership team aligned around what that message is but we're not going to build your brand message. So how did you get, how did you get so passionate about uh, working with employees and getting their messaging to be just right? Because um, that, that probably is the place where there's the greatest breakdown. Senior management's probably really clear. The outside consultants who wrote up the message are really clear. And actually just, I'm just guessing here, you know, (laughs) stop me if I'm going off the track here, but they create advertisements. and, And the reason is, probably a lot of these people are saying, you know, if we didn't have to have these employees, it would be so great around here. You know, <laughs> it's like, if we could just put some advertisements out, uh, our message would be perfect. You know, it's it, everything, everything is perfect until the employees start talking to our customers. Think about how much effort, and I, I have a very specific answer for that question, but think about the amount of time, effort, and dollars that goes into getting a message on a commercial or on a billboard. A okay? lot. And then think about, think about the level of effort in the investment that companies put into making sure that their $14 an hour employee on the phones or in the retail store knows what that billboard means. Not too much. Okay. So, so, so just take that for a second. So I'm going to tell you why we're passionate about it. Okay. Um, our mission as an organization is to inspire a sense of belief, confidence, and pride in the brand message at the front lines. We have, we are, are going back to our roots, our first, our first projects. 
we help large organizations take new, new product categories and integrate them throughout all their sales channels. We're talking about big businesses. We're not talking about like an ancillary bolt-on stuff. We're talking about billion-dollar-plus businesses that were launched through existing, existing brands. And when a call center rep takes a phone call, and they've sat through three weeks of training around this new product because it's complicated. It's a big new product. And they have no idea. Three weeks of training. Three weeks of training. And they don't know how to get the first question out of their mouth because all they learned was detail, detail, detail. It weighed them down, bogged them down. They don't get it and they don't even know how to ask the single question. But when they get the actual essence of the story, when you help them see the essence of the story and they can start to convey that value to a customer, if somebody, one of these people making $14 an hour makes two more of those sales per month, that's an extra couple hundred dollars in their paycheck. That's diapers. That's formula. That's daycare. That's real to them. They so, they, make a so, couple, they, so, so what you're saying is that the employees are really anxious to learn it because it helps them be better at their job. All they want is to serve the customer better. People who make, and I'll tell you what, this is such a misconception. We do this for them. Okay. And that's really what, you know, to, back to your question about why we're passionate. We do this for the $14 an hour employee who is the most important person in the customer experience and they're the, 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 the lowest paid person in the entire equation, right? They're the tip of the spear, but they're the ones who get the, they get the lowest pay and they're, and they're, and they're underinvested in. So we look at them as, you know, they're really the audience that they're the customer we serve, right? And helping them see how the products and services that they offer deliver something great and valuable to their customers when they believe in it, their ability to serve that customer goes up. As they serve the customer better, what happens? Their paycheck goes up, the company's revenue goes up, customer satisfaction goes up, and they're happier in their jobs. So we believe that putting them in a position to win every time they talk to a customer and do it with belief, not recite something. Customers don't buy that way. They don't want to hear the, the script. If you can get them to believe and there's a genuine ex exchange between the, the employee and the, and the customer, Everybody in the equation is going to win. You know, when you, when you, um, when you, when I start to think about what you're saying right now, they spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars creating this messaging and, and the, to precisely the precise color, the precise words. I mean, they study every single word, every single detail, and then they buy commercials all over the United States, including on the Super Bowl for five or six million dollars every 30 seconds. And then they spend five seconds telling the person at the end of the chain what to say. Uh, there is really a, uh, a philosophical incongruity there. I mean, you are, there is really an inconsistency uh, that I have never thought about. And I am really delighted that you brought that to our attention because this, uh, you know, this whole show is, is about uh, profiting from the inside, the inside track, which is the best, smartest, fastest way to do it. And the inside track on really what's missing in a lot of this advertising stuff is exactly what you just said is the disconnect between the top and the front line, you know, and that's, uh, that's been brilliant. So Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show and for sharing your ideas and, and being with us here today. Joel, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been a good discussion. Well, good, man. Thanks. We'll be in touch. Thanks for your insights. Sure. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. 
For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000. And download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.